The Coonhound Collective Podcast is brought to you by CZ Welding and Custom Dog Boxes. Dog boxes built by hunters for hunters. Check these guys out today. This is your host, Jason Snurgrove, and I will be your guide as we journey down the road to pleasure hunt or hitting the long trail to those great cop hunts. This is the Coonhound Collective Welcome to the Coonhound Collective Podcast today. Today I am joined by Mr. Terry Goforth. Mr. Terry, how's it going? Very good today. You? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Mr. Terry, won't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Well, I'm from Bradford, Illinois. Oh, I'm going to be, well, the big 57 and uh, just getting, just getting older and, and, uh, uh, do a little concrete work on the side and, and, uh, and run these dogs. Yes, sir. Um, won't you, uh, tell us kind of how you got into, to coon hunting and, and I don't know, maybe you started, uh, into something, you know, with something else, uh, another type of tree dog, maybe squirrel dog or something, but how'd you get into hounds and coon hunting? <clears throat> well, and uh, I started with the, started coon hunting about 1976. And my three uncles, uh, Luster, Donnie, and Bobby, had a Wagner-bred black and tan we called Gomer. And I started going when I was running dogs with them. And the reason they had me go with them, because I was back in good shape at that time, and though Gomer was about a three-minute tree dog. Very accurate, but a three-minute tree dog. And I'd run to the tree and tie him up for him. And that's uh, basically how I got started in the dogs. And then I went down to Wyoming, Illinois, just 14 miles south of us. And I ran into two guys, uh, Gordon Sutton and Roy Grant. And they had black and tans. Uh, Roy had a bitch called Kate. And Gordon had a female off of Kate called Betty. And they had a male dog, Rex. Until this day, the Kate dog is the best black and tan female I ever hunted with. And that's uh, how I basically got my start uh, with the coon dogs. And then through Gordon and, and Roy, I went to a uh, night hunt down in Morton, Illinois. When I was, oh, probably as 81. And I walked along with uh, Gordon hunting Rex in a night champion cast. And we, he hunted against the English blue male that Jerry Solomon had that was uh, off of Bill Clark's Lightfoot Flash dog. And after the cast was over, two days later, I bought that English male dog, and that's how I got started with this line of dogs. Okay, so you you started off hunting with some black dogs, but it was pretty quick there that that you got uh got you an english dog and that's what you've been hunting ever since is, is that that english dog what what line of dogs are those well bill clark was from evansville indiana and he had the lightfoot dogs and uh i actually met bill in 1982 is the first time i ever went to english days and i met him actually i seen the ad and i called the man and I met him in English days, and Bill and I hit it off, and we was close 
all the way up until his passing a few years back. Okay. Um, so you, uh, you walked along there on that, on that cast. Did you quickly start competition hunting? Um, after, after that, that cast there, you walked along or, or was it a little while? It was probably about four years later when I had a dog that, uh, <clears throat> you know, just learning uh, the ropes. I mean, I hunted that English dog that I bought from Jerry Sullivan and hunts and I placed him a few times and eventually we made him night champion. But actually, seriously hitting the hunts pretty regular. It was probably, oh, I'm going to say the about 88. Okay. So um, you, you've obviously been, been around the sport for a little while and, 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 been, and been hunting. And we're going to talk, you know, about some of the dogs that you've had and, and have now. But what, what have you seen uh, – change in the sport do you, you think the dogs have progressively gotten better do you think they're about the same do you think the the rules that have changed throughout the years have made the competition side of the sport uh better um etc well <clears throat> today's dogs compared to the past dogs i believe the past dogs when i first started they ran a lot more tracks uh they would trail a lot, you know, try to run rougher tracks than today's dogs. But with today's way the hunts are, you have three minute trees. Everything is very quick and you want, you don't want them dogs most of the time messing with them rougher tracks. If you're seriously competition hunting, you want something to happen fast. Uh, I think today's dogs are overall consistently a lot cleaner you don't have the junk problems that the past dogs you know breaking them uh there's a lot more tree dogs and that but i personally i like a trailing type dog myself but that's my thing but i try to mix them back and forth uh i would say the only thing i would say would be different i think today's world the dogs are faster quicker uh I would say, and a whole in the English breed. Right now, today's world, uh, I don't think the English dogs have anywhere close to the miles they used to have, and that's a hard thing to keep. And and that, uh, but that's uh, what I've seen over time. Yeah, yeah, and you know the um, I. I, I've I've got some English dogs here at the at the house, and I started with a black and tan. And, and when I got back into coon hunting, I actually was living in Illinois when I got back into coon hunting there around Robinson, and um, I was hunting some plot dogs for a guy. And um, as I got you know moved back over into Missouri and got my own place, I started looking for a dog, and I immediately went back to that you know memories of that dog when I was you know a, a younger man and you know, in my early teens and, and it was old black and tan. I had, you know, big drawn out ball mouth and, you know, l pretty loud dog. You could hear him, hear him a long ways. And, and that, that's kind of what, what you said there about their mouths in, in not just the English breed, but even in the black and tan breed, I, I hear a few here and there that, that have good big mouths on them, but you know, it, it's not the same as what it was back then for sure. No, not at all. So, uh, 
you start competition hunting there in 88 what what uh what dog was you uh was you hunting then well i had uh actually i had a uh actually we went to a, the back up just a hair we went to a night hunt and the the first english dog i had cut the cowboy dog that i bought from jerry i just we just got his first place win on him and we had him tied out to a uh, fence and uh he ended up uh breaking the the lead on the fence when we was in there getting the, our, my trophy the wind slip and uh he ended up getting uh hit on the road right there by the clubhouse and then i had a night champion dog at home called leroy was a litter mate to bill clark's two Grand Knights, Haas and Deacon, Animal, and the Susie dog that Bill ended up placing fourth at the ACHA World Hunt. He ended up, uh, <clears throat> got a swollen gland, and he had allergic reaction, and the vet gave him a shot, and he ended up passing away on the table. Oh, my goodness. And I, that, that, yeah, that it is just, some bad look back-to-back there. Yes, and then actually Bill Clark had a litter of pups, and he told me come down and pick. Uh, he had a female picked out for me, and I went down there and picked her up. And I ended up calling her Brandy. And Keith Peterson, uh, my hunting buddy, and I, we had her running and training her own coons at six months old. And that's the first one I personally pushed in the hunts and grinded out. And that was actually my beginning of myself. Yeah. So, uh, just from what I'm hearing there, you did you hunt predominantly UKC or do you do you dabble in PKC as well? A, a little bit of PKC. I did a little bit more 10, 15 years ago, and I've never been a big PKC hunt. Uh, but just because we got to drive so far up here, there's not very many clubs. I mean, really, to, for us to get into PKC country, we got to drive two, three hours south of where I live to get into a lot of PKC hunts. Right, right. So you're hunting Brandy uh, there. What, what's some of the? Did, did, was there any big hunts there that she won while you were pushing her there? No, I mean I I ran her at Dom Oaks. I ran her at the World Hunt, uh, and uh, I you know and back at and I hunted her Eng, English days. You know, and I to be honest with you, I was uh, learning the sport on the handling part, uh, and I was, you know, being young, just getting out of high school and stuff, and uh, and I mean, I did very well with her and placed her in a lot of hunts, but uh, never placed her at the big uh, at the big level. I mean, I was right there on the thick of things, but just you know, wasn't sharp enough on the rules and the handling at that time to know what i know now <laughs> yeah well i hey i i understand that I, that's my dog's problem he needs a handler not uh, somebody other than me yeah but uh so so you got brandy you got her going and uh, i would assume with the prior two dogs with with the way that turned out you probably have something on the back burner that you're that you're working on what would be your next dog that you had there hey guys this is jason over at the coonhound collective podcast is your dog box starting to get war? Maybe it's starting to get a little crack like mine is. Maybe you've just been thinking about it's time to upgrade to a 
to a new box, but you've asked your buddies and you're just not real sure what direction to go in, well, let me help you out here. Go check my friends out at CZ Welding and Fabrication Custom Doll Boxes and Aluminum Products on Facebook. You can check out all their custom work they do there and their designs that they do. If you don't see something that you don't exactly like there, reach out to Nathan at 540-810-5439, 540-810-5439, or send him a message through the Facebook page. I bet he can fix you up. Don't wait till fall to get that new doll box. Go ahead, get that doll box now. Get you uh, get yourself something looking good in the back of your truck that, that you can be proud of and that you can haul your dog around in comfort. Check my friends out at CZ Welding Fabrication. You won't go wrong. Dog boxes built by hunters for hunters. Get yours today. CZ Welding and Fabrication. Well, I actually, I've read, uh, I took Brandy down there and bred her to uh, Bill Clark's dancer dog. And then that's where I could come up with the, the Blue Terry dog, which is now, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame of the English breed. And, uh, he is, uh, he taught me a lot, you know, and I mean, I wish you could turn time back because I wish I like, I'd love to have him today's world because I could have won big with him. He's the only dog I've ever owned. That was a one bark tree dog, no matter what. And, uh, but, uh, that's was my next, uh, one I pushed and, then we, uh, you know, he, then I granted him out. Well, he was granted out. He was just coming two years old. I had him ACHA granted out, UKC granted out. And then we started started breeding him and raising pups off of him. Okay. So you, you, you went back to that same line of breeding, um, and it sounds like to me you've done some breeding and it sounds like to me you've been successful at, at doing some breeding. Was, was there any other lines of English dogs that you reached out to, to pull something in that, that, that you thought would benefit what you were looking for? Well, yes, I, I I've tried to brought in a lot of different lines. Uh, I, I guess the way I, myself, I do it. I see what my, what my, I, I put the dogs where, my dogs are strong at or what they're weak at. And that's what I go looking for to complement and see if I can get the balance. Uh, I have brought, uh, we've brought in the, some of the Rocky dogs and, and that cross, some of them crosses work great. Uh, we end up uh, better a, a, a Rocky female and we come up with, and I promoted that the granite for the called red off of that and one English days and stuff with him. But his big, uh, big issue when I bred into the Rocky dogs, I lost the mouth on them. Uh, I bred some females to Wilcox's dogs and come up with nice dogs, but they didn't have the hunt drive that I wanted. Now, lately what I've done is we've run in and actually, uh, I've run in some, uh, the trailer line of uh, Doug Nestor's and that, and even and some of Shane Cannon and the Ace of Briggs stuff, and uh, brought those in the Main Street and mix match, and it's been very successful for us. 
But I believe you have to reach out somewhere. You can't keep packing it in. Otherwise, I don't know. I just, I, I, you can't be kennel blind. You got, there's so many good dogs out there. You got to go look at them. Yeah. And I would agree with you there. I, I'm, I'm no breeder. I've bred a few dogs and, you know, I'm trying to, trying to learn as I talk to people with this podcast and, and people that I've met, I'm trying to learn about, about breeding and, and what, what you need to be looking for and, and what to try. But I think one, one of the most important things is what you said there at the end, you can't be kennel blind. You, you've got to be, you got to look at what the dog can do for you and, not so much the person behind the dog, but what, what that dog's doing and how it's performing and, and how it can benefit your kennel, in, in my opinion, anyway. Oh, 100%. So uh, what what other dogs through there did, did you uh, did you have that you were promoting and, and some of the stuff that you've won there? Well, we won uh, – well, we had uh, the, the a female off of Terry that we called – BA, you know, uh, we end up winning queen at English days with her. And like I said, red one English days up at, uh, Portland. And then I placed red at autumn Oaks. And then I bought a, the, well, red's mother was a uh, hard time. Annie, they wore the Rocky line. And then I placed her at autumn Oaks. And then we, I had a litter mate to Red, who uh, made him a grand called Rock, and I placed him a couple times at English Days. <clears throat> but then, uh, and then we just, uh, uh, then we turn around and oh, uh, come on! Then I end up uh, meeting uh, well through a phone call. I was actually going through a divorce. And Brandon Gaines from Oklahoma called me about bringing his Jill female to the bow dog that I uh, that was off of Terry. The bow I ended up placing him fourth in 2007 at the World Hunt, and then uh, but uh, and it was kind of odd, you know, it was just kind of weird. Brand, his name, Brandon's name, kept coming in my head because I'm a big fan of watching UFC and stuff like that. And that kind of, that kind of sport. And finally, after about four or five phone calls, uh, he called and she, Jill was coming in heat. I asked him, I said, do you fight in MMA? And that's how I ended up meeting Brandon and become, become really good buddies. And that, but the Jill cross on the bow has really worked. You know, you got uh, Brandon's got Rowdy. He's placed him in all kinds of hunt. I have a letter made to him called Snag. Uh, I placed him at Western English Days. We've placed him a couple times at English Days. Uh, you have uh, John Anderson and Keelan. They got uh, another letter mate called Copper. And they placed him at English Days a couple times and a couple big state hunts. And then uh, then Jim Ridge and Chris Girth has the Trixie female that Brandon placed uh, her at Blue Tick Days. And uh, now I have a son off of uh, off a of snag, and then it's off a of female that goes back to Bo and Shane, and well, it goes back to the, the Ruby Dog of. Uh, Ace and Shane Cannons, and uh, uh, and we, I just placed him last year as a one-year-old at English Days one night. 
Yeah, and you mentioned Brandon there, and we've had Brandon on the podcast, and um, I, I really like Brandon. He's a he's a stand up guy. I, I I can't say say enough about him. He's he's really super super guy. He is straight up, and and that's I'd rather have it like that than anything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I've hunted with Diesel. I have not hunted had opportunity to hunt with Rowdy yet, but I, I have hunted with his his Diesel dog, and uh, definitely definitely got a nice mouth on him. Yes, actually, we have a female that's a letter mate to Bam that's off of Snag and then off of go back to, uh, like I said, Asa stuff. And uh, actually, we're going to take her out this, as soon as she comes in, and I'm going to breed her to Diesel. Yeah. And uh, I, I just believe in those dogs. Yeah, he and, you know, he, he's he's been pretty consistent in the winter circle with, with both those dogs for, for sure. And... Uh, he, uh, he, he hunts hard, and, and it, it definitely shows in his dogs. Oh, definitely. So um, what 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 kind of what dogs are you pushing now, but other than the one you mentioned there? Well, we, I, the, I get the three young dogs that I'm pushing, and that's Bam, Pebbles, and I, then I bought the Nala female from Brandon and uh gains there and uh i finished her out tonight champion here a couple weeks ago and uh and then i'll this next this next year i'll finish those dogs out the grand yeah i've got a pup here at the house i, I mentioned to you before that's that's out of uh, nala and hank i believe it is uh that brandon has and uh he he's he's definitely got a mouth on him. That's that's for sure. He's he he you you'll be able to hear him in the woods. Yeah, I really like this Nala female. I got to finish her out, get her where I want her, you know, and I think I can do some serious winning with her. She's very competitive, good good about the both ends, you know what I've seen so far. And uh, I, I I think there's a bright future for. Her. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you, you mentioned here a couple litter of puppies and raising some puppies and, and getting them started. And, and we don't, I don't want you to give any of your trade secrets away, but uh, uh, for somebody that's out there listening and, and maybe they're at a point with a puppy that they're frustrated and, and don't know what to do, what, what, what's some of the techniques that you use to, to push through and, and kind of get that young dog up and going? Well, I, I believe that they will tell you when they're ready. Some, all pups mature different and, uh, and you know, I mean, some start early, some start a little later, but I here, I've been very fortunate and I guess to go back to how I've been, so uh, I've been lucky enough with pups and stuff and the young dogs is back up to back when the old dog was alive, when Terry was alive, uh, I had a man named Thomas Bearden from Georgia call me. And he wanted, he drove up here and wanted to hunt with Terry and Terry's about 11 years old at that time. And he asked me if he could go hunting with it. And he come up here and, and come up there and, uh, and the old dog shut his dogs out on four single coons that night. Well, Thomas and I become great friends and we, we talk every week, but one thing Thomas likes to do, he likes starts puppies. And he don't. He gets them to a point, then he's done with them. And and for me, I send my puppies down to Thomas, and I'll send two or three of them down there. And 
most time by eight months old, he's already got them running the trend, solid, if they have it. Now, some of them, they all ain't going to make it. But if you think your dog, if you're, you're getting frustrated, the best thing to do is put him back in the pen for a month, maybe two months. Watch him, see if he's, gonna, if he's maturing, then break him back out. They will tell you when they're ready. Because you can't, I, I don't believe you can force it. It's either clicks or don't click. Yeah. And, and I agree with you there because I, I know, you know, with social media the way it is, you see, you know, people out there with five, six month old puppies and they're supposedly running in tree and coons. And I know some of them do. Um, but, you know, for some, especially a younger person that maybe has not been around the game and haven't messed with many puppies before. You know, that, that can be a frustrating thing when you're sitting there with a 12-month-old and, and you're thinking, man, I can't even get mine to leave my feet hardly. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I talk to a lot of different people and try to get everybody's perspective from that to, to, to try to build knowledge in with these podcasts to, to for people to be able to go back and listen to and say, well, hey, he tried this and, you know, that didn't work. And, you know, maybe what Mr. Terry's saying, I need to try that and put the dog up for a month or two and, and then pull him back out and see where he's at. Yeah, every every pup's different, and I mean that's just in the rule of thumb. Most dogs that start at five, six months old, they usually progress a super fast, but they get to a, a stage, and they don't ever get no better than that. And uh, I just think a lot of times when they start that early, there's very few that end up finishing out to where you think they should be because we're all guilty of it. You get one that starts that thing, you don't, you don't back off on them. And it's like giving a candy, a kid too much candy. Sooner or later, he's going to get sick of it. And, uh, and I think you can overhunt them way over. And I have, I've ruined, I have ruined two of them because they was started out so young and I pushed them too hard, but you, you gotta be patient and take your time. Are you tired of whipping, scolding, and shocking to make them get alone? Is your buddy tired of helping you set your dog up for correction night after night? Do you really want your dog to be alone because you forced him to be? Or would you rather him be alone because he wants to be? Grand Knight Champion Small Town Lone Survivor is the product of over 25 years of strong natural-born independent traits. This bold trait has been passed down from generation to generation and is showing up in Loner offspring today. Loner is a direct son of Hall of Fame Grand Knight Champion Cabin Creek Rowdy and Grand Knight Champion Lonesome Dove Lori. Loner has a booming mouth that is talked about in every cast he has been in, including the 2021 World Hunt Finals. Loner is a no-reverse, ball-mouth-open trailer who ends it plussed up with a huge dying locate and steady chop. Loner loves getting split and is a stay-put gun-pressure tree dog. Loner's intelligence is also impressive. He knows over 12 voice and hand signal commands. Loner has a character that loves like Jesus, but he doesn't walk on water. If you're interested in breeding to Loner, contact Brett Stevens at Small Town English Kennels at 417-300-3777 or find him on Facebook.
If you're interested in running a stud ad for your dog here on the Coonhound Collective podcast, reach out to us at thecoonhoundcollective at gmail.com. Send us a message through Facebook or Instagram, and we'll be glad to get with you to get you an ad built and get you pricing on all of our ads. I'm glad you said that because you're about the third person I've heard say one that starts early. You usually put the hammer to them, and, and you're, you're hammering them pretty regular, and, and, and you kind of, I guess, after it hits a plateau of this is as best it's going to be, and it, I guess, becomes like, almost like a burnout to the dog. So in my thinking, and, and obviously you, you said you've run two from, from that, so you probably have some knowledge with this. You, you know, you see one starting early. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, you know, it would be exciting for me to, to have one starting early. What would you recommend? Would you recommend hunting that dog some uh, and putting it up, hunting it just a few times a week and not pushing it so hard to, to keep that from happening? Well, I have my best advice from my own experience, when you get one that starts like that, no more than two or three nights a week until he's about 14, 15 months old. Then you can start picking up the pace. Uh, both of the ones that I had that blew up on me, they was both running and, and training. One was six months, one was seven months, and they was solid and doing what they want. But I was hunting them five, six nights a week. And when they was 14 months old, they was better at six and seven months old than they was 14 months old. I just think you just burn them up and you're better off two, two, three times a week and watch the weather. Don't put them out there with a full moon. You, you want them to succeed, not fail. And I'm guilty of, I've guilty of the past of taking them out and they failed and it's my own fault. You just got to coach them along and bring them along. And I, I believe two to three days a week, that is more than enough for a young dog. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And, 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 you know, like you were talking about there, the full moon and stuff right now, we talked about this before we hit record about it being so dry. I mean, it's super dry where I'm at. And, and you mentioned that, that as well. And, uh, I've got some young dogs that I really, really need. Uh, the one that I mentioned there out of Nala, I really need to have him in the woods. But um, at the same time, I don't want to, like you said, put that dog in a situation where I know it's going to be tough on him and I know it's, he, he's going to have a greater possibility of failing than succeeding uh, for sure. Yes. I mean, you want positive. You don't want negative. Yeah, and with tracking conditions the way they are right now, it's just it's rough on a, on a young dog. And, and you have some that get in there and get it done, and some nights are better than other nights. But overall, it's just it's not a good situation right now for in my area anyway. Well, and you'll see in the fall when the leaves are falling and they're dry, that tracking conditions is horrible. And uh, and the the dogs are getting frustrated. Them young dogs are trying, but there's not enough there to get them so excited where they're, you know, where they're moving like they can when a good tracking condition is good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have, I have a, a black and tan female here also at the house that um, I was pushing pretty hard because she, she's, she's really got the go in her. And I uh, this past summer I had her and took her out and, 
uh, was hunting her and she was trying to treat almost like a layup, you know, she, she could smell the coon. She just couldn't pinpoint it. So instead of having her, you know, I could see the frustration in her and instead of having her so frustrated, I actually sent her to a guy in Arkansas cause they can kill coons year round there and, uh, let, let him put some coons on her and, and it did help her. Um, but with the tracking conditions, the way they are, it, it's not really helping her, um, you know, for say right now, uh, you know, after I got her back, I could tell that, you know, there was a little bit of change in her, but really, really need some moisture, uh, to hit the ground, to, to really get her pushed and, and get her finished on out. Just, just takes time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as like training dogs, you said, you, you, you know, uh, and I've, I've kind of seen this as a common theme around people that are successful in hunting is they have a good group of people around them. And you mentioned that about the uh, guy there in Georgia that you send the young dogs to. How important is it to have that connection uh, in, in those friendships you built over the years to, to help you succeed in what you're doing now? Is a hundred percent. You, I learned back. I guess uh, Bill Clark told me one time, and the back when back in his heyday, he had like sixteen different guys handle dogs for him and hunted dogs for him. And and I asked him. He says, you know, back then, no, you you get that. Uh, there's you can put more out there, and you get them in the right hands, and you can sit and watch them. And, and I've had more minds really cranking and the other guys is doing good, but he's not as far advanced. And I, I just think it's a hundred percent percent way to do it for long, you know, for if, if you're going to try to keep a bloodline and a, your line of dogs going more, you have working together, better, the better it's going to be. And that's what Bill Clark told me back, and Bill t- told me back that, and I'm going to say back in about 1983, he told me that. And he said he learned that from, uh, well, he, from Mr. Ed Bates. He used to call him Sweet Eddie. You know, it's, uh, Ed, Ed had all those guys hunting them dogs for him and, and stuff. And that's the way to go. If you can work as a group, don't let jealousy get in your way. <laughs> it takes more than one person to keep everything going. Yeah. And I, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head there with the jealousy thing. I, I think that's a common problem in every breed uh, in every breed association out there. Um, you know, of, well, I'm not going to breed to him because, you know, I don't, I don't like him or, you know, uh, I, I don't like, you know, the way he treated so-and-so or, or whatever. And, and, you know, to, and, and I heard this on a on another podcast. Um, a guy, him and Barry Kitty, had got into it, and I mean, really got into it, uh, almost coming to blows. But his female come in heat the next day, and he was on the phone with Barry, trying to get it set up to to take that female to to breed. It may have been to Zeb or one of them. I don't remember one of those wipeout dogs. And and this is just my opinion. To me that's what's made the walker breed where they're at today where when you pull up at a hunt that's what you see you see a lot of walker dogs there 
um, you know, they've 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 really got out there and they they've bred and tried tried different crosses till they found what worked and and really pushed these dogs. And, and maybe you see it different, but that's just that's that's what I see that has happened um, with a lot of these breeds. Is you know we've we've allowed jealousy to come in and not let it's kind of it's held the dogs back as well as held held us back from from being in the winter circle as much. Oh, it's, it's, it's very, I, I've watched it over years. It's terrible. And, uh, that's why the Walker guys, even though they probably have their own little deals, but they're so successful. There's so many of them. And the Walker dogs is some, even today still got tremendous miles, a lot of them. And, uh, you just can't be, you can't be blind and you can't let that get, you know, I don't, I, I mean, I don't care if I if I don't get along with the guy or whatever, but if he's got something good that I think is going to help me, I'm going to him. And you got to do that. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I agree 100%. We need to have more like-minded people like you and, and some other people that I've talked to uh, here here recently in the past. And this subject has been brought up, uh, you know, a couple of times. And uh, I'm, I'm a member of the English Breed Association as well as the Black and Tan Association. And that's that's a common thing that I see. If we, we want any breed, no matter if it's English, Black and Tan, Plot, the leopard hounds, whatever it is, you, you've got to let bygones be bygones, in my opinion, and you got to be willing to work with, with somebody to, to get what you need to better to better your kennel and better the breed. Oh, 100%. 100%. And that uh, I've hunted with a ton of black and tans over the years and, uh, and that and seen a lot of good ones. And, uh, well, the best male dog I ever hunted was a black and tan, uh, was Jeff Nelson's buck two dog that he won the world hunt with. That dog could do it all. Yeah. I just had Mr. Greg Cover on the podcast, uh, that actually, uh, released today as me and you're sitting here recording that and the dog, the black dogs that he has, We'll go back to that buck two dog, some of those, and he he mentioned that in the podcast. So um, obviously, you know he's he's reaching out trying to, and he 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 actually mentioned about you know reaching out to different uh, breeders that people would recognize their names uh, if mentioned in the black and tan world to 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 bring the right stuff in to to better his kennel, and I I think I think truly that's what we what we all have to do uh, to to better each breed. Yeah, you otherwise you're going to be stagnant and and that uh, if you want to get better and be in the winning circle, you've got to reach out and put what's going to work and keep trying or whatever. I mean, that's why the Walker guys been successful. You know, and I mean, they've got a lot of them out there, a lot of breeders, a lot of good breeders and uh and the rest of the breeds got to do what they got to do to catch up. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, kind of change gears here a little bit. We didn't talk about this in the beginning, but you, you where you live at there is kind of north of 70, if if I if I remember right, from being in Illinois, and then kind of on the east east central side of the state. Is that is that about right? Well, I'm 35 miles straight north of Peoria, Illinois, and I'm 15 miles off of Interstate 80. Okay. What kind of hunting terrain are you hunting in up there? Are you hunting row crop, 
river bottoms what 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 do you what kind of hunting terrain we 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 like to talk about that so everybody you know like before i moved to missouri i lived in southeast alabama my entire life and never went outside of there so i was really unfamiliar with with different terrains and i try to cover that in every podcast well we can uh i can hunt uh well you know, we can hunt 100, 200, 300-acre timbers with corn all around them and everything else. Or I can go 15 miles east of me, and we can get down on the big river bottoms, on the Illinois River and stuff like that. We, I mean, we're fortunate enough we can about bounce around and hunt about anything. I would say the only thing we don't have a lot of, unless you can get down there on the Illinois River, is like, big sloughs and swamps and stuff like that to, you know, a lot of water where you'd, uh, dogs have to go out there swimming. Like I know that like some guys in Georgia and stuff, they hunt a lot of swamps and, and stuff. We don't have much of that here, but well, I mean, but we got a lot of farm ground and, and a lot of, a lot of timber. Uh, but I said, great big timbers are just about 15 miles east of me. And then they just go forever. So in having that diverse uh, areas to, to hunt in, do you think that helps prepare you and your dogs um, to, to be able to travel outside of your area and be successful in hunting because you can you can prepare them in different situations? Oh, absolutely. I think you can go you can go to different parts of the countries and, and your dogs uh, uh, going to have to try to adapt and lucky enough that most of the stuff territories I can put them in. And, uh, and that, uh, my probably more, my dogs is probably is done. The least, uh, is, is I've been off to Iowa a bunch and, uh, get stuck on fence rows and just, you know, straight ditches and stuff like that. And, uh, I don't hunt that kind of stuff and that just throws them off. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. And that, those fence rows, they they are tough. We we uh, I, I hunted in the zones up at Palmyra, Missouri this year, and our guide took us out and we turned loose. And you know, it's cornfield on the left, cornfield on the right, and you know, 20, 20, 30 yard wide strip of woods that run for a mile and a half right down the middle of it. And um, that that's definitely tough on a dog, especially if you don't don't you know hunt one in that. Well, especially my line of dogs that, uh, they're very, most of them are pretty independent to, you know, anyway. And then I'll have, you know, I'll, I'll have one. Well, just a prime example, the, the granite dog is snag dog, Leonard Mika Rowdy. He's independent to a fault. You put him on a fence row with other dogs. He's going to do what he can do just to get away from them. And, uh, it's a big dis- disadvantage. I mean, it's, it's, you know, that's not going to, you may not even score with him because he's going to be too far out of your airing. But, uh, yeah, everything's different. You got to put them in different situations. I mean, like I said, if I was going to go to a certain area down South, I do my, do my research to see what kind of country. And that's what I try to hunt, get them ready. Yeah. That last cast I drew out with uh, on the zones, I actually drew the Jenna dog that won the world and that's exactly which I've hunted with, with Jenna with Tyler before, and that's exactly, 
you know, how she operates too. And she, she, that's what happened. She got over by herself and luckily she got treed just, just within here and there where we could hear her. And she, she had a coon off by herself. And, um, you know, that, that definitely helps if they can do that. But at the same time, if you don't have that extra set of woods there close by where they can get in and get treed like that on those fence rows, some of those dogs, especially the ones that are independent, they can, they can get out of hand and get away from them pretty quick. Yeah. Well, Mr. Terry, we've, we've been at it about, you know, 41 or two minutes here. And, um, I don't know if you, if you might would have a a hunting story you might could share with us off the top of your head. I know I'm kind of catching you off guard there. No, uh, actually, uh, probably one of the greatest, uh, things I ever can come back is when we had English days down there to, Elizabeth County, Kentucky. And we had over there, uh, I had, uh, oh, we had uh, Bill Clark, Eugene Boy, Kenny Thrasher, Jim Ridge, and we had a big powwow over talking. And uh, when I was a kid, when we were just in high school, I went down there with Bill, uh, Bill and we'd go down to Eugene Boys and go hunting with uh, a few times with Eugene and and met all these guys, and uh, that was probably the greatest moments because all these guys, all you know, that's put so much into the English breed, and uh, sat there and sat there for hours talking back and forth, and and uh, Eugene was looking looking at Bill Clark, and then they look at me and. Eugene was giving me crap because Eugene has known me since high school and, you know, Bill, Bill and, uh, and a great moment. And then I said, uh, you know, I've had a lot of luck and success, uh, met some great people. I, I went up and hunted with Larry Wilcox and, uh, and Larry, you get to know Larry. Larry is a great guy. Uh, and he's done a lot for the, the English breed. Uh, I've never, I've never seen so many coons, you know, uh, go up there in Michigan and, uh, and that, and it just like said, uh, Gail flowers. I could sit and talk to that man for hours. I love talking to Gail. And, uh, I like my little, my little buddy, Roy cows when, you know, Roy, you know, great, you know, individual to talk to he's done good with the big river dogs uh probably one of the greatest and he's been so successful i've hunted with is uh and you know, over the over the years you know uh, you know you you have the dark shouty bobby uh, urban sutton i mean you couldn't ask for a classier guy and i i got asked this question once and uh, they asked me the Dogs that I, the females that didn't know, and which is the three best I've ever hunted with? Well, that was a real quick answer. Was Mark Mark Robbins his granite uh, Robin female, best all around female I ever hunted with? Number two, I mean, I'm not putting them in order, but I mean, Dark Shadow Bobby. And the quickest one I've seen, uh, you ever put her in coon, she would just kill you. Was Ace of Briggs Ruby Dog. She could treat coons around you like popcorn. And those three females stand out to me consistently that I've hunted with 
more than any dogs I ever hunted with for females in the English breed. But I've I've been fortunate enough to hunt with guys and hunt all the with the old a lot of the old timers that you know, and a lot of these guys are gone now. I mean, I mean, you know, well, just uh, it's just as it's a blessing, and now I'm becoming the old timer. But hopefully, we're not done yet. Yeah, and uh, you know, you brought that up about sitting around down there at English Days with those guys, and you know, that's that's a little bit of what I see now, and maybe it's because we have so many hunts now or whatever, but that's the little bit that I see that is missing nowadays from what it was, was sitting around and man, the amount of knowledge that you could, uh, you could gather just from sitting around listening to some guys sitting and talking and sharing stories about dogs and what dog they bred to what and stuff like that. That's, that was a, that, that's a great way to, to learn. So, you know, if you're a young person out there listening, don't don't overlook the opportunity to sit or, sit around a bunch of older gentlemen that are, are telling stories about dogs because there, there's a great way to learn right there. Yes, you can learn a lot, and you can learn a lot of different lines, and you know, it's just, yeah, you you you've got to listen. Don't let the ego get in your way. Listen, because they've been here. They know. You know, they know what works for them and what they've been successful with. Yeah, that's that's for sure. You got that that ego's a, a heavy burden for a dog to carry. So leave that at the house and, and be open minded and be willing to 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 hear and accept uh, what you need to to make yourself better. And and hey, it may be something not for today. It may be something for 10 years down the road, but you'll you'll remember it if it sticks with you. Exactly. Well. Mr. Terry, if you don't have anything else, we, we're, we're not quite to an hour yet, but uh, I, I appreciate you taking your time to be on here, and you know, I didn't know if you have anything else to add. We'll throw it in there before we shut this down. No, it's just uh, I really appreciate you calling, and, and I really enjoy talking to you, uh, uh, to you and I uh, hope that, uh, this will help some people in the, in the future and, and even present. Yeah, well, I appreciate you you taking time to be on here today and was able to get this set up. And hopefully I'll meet you here in in the future uh, at a hunt somewhere or at English Days and uh, get to shake your hand and and see you face-to-face. Yep, no problem. All right, Mr. Terry, you have a good night. Thanks for joining us today. Yep, yep, goodbye. Thanks, guys, for listening to the Coonhound Collective Podcast today. We really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to listen to the podcast. If you don't mind, head over to Facebook and give us a like, and head over to Instagram and give us a follow. It's both at The Coonhound Collective. Also, if you would like to reach us here at The Coonhound Collective, you can reach us at Collective at gmail.com. If there's someone that you would like to hear on the podcast or a product that you would like to hear talked about, please send it to Collective at gmail.com. Thanks again. Have a great day.